you taking shots from afar, I'ma meet you at your front door. Good evening, and welcome to the Whipple League Podcast, episode 35. I am your host, Chris Lazzarini, joined as always by my content producer, Mr. Commissioner Justin Florido. JF, how you doing tonight? Doing wonderful. Great to have you here. Always joined as well by my stats coordinator, who is without a computer tonight, so might not be quite as statsy as usual, but doesn't mean he doesn't have a bevy of information. That is Mr. Josh Wittenberg. Josh, how are you doing? I'm giving you the mile high salute over here. <laughs> Josh reporting in from the Denver International Airport to show you his commitment to this podcast. And we are joined by our guest co-host this evening by captain of the Storm Chasers, Mr. Dustin Eckert. Dustin, how are you? Good, guys. How are you? Good to be here. We're doing great. And we're excited for the beginning of a new Whipple season. So it's been a few months, and it always feels a little awkward waiting until after the draft, but it makes the most sense for timing of podcasts. But we do have to touch on how that banquet went back in January. It was the most unique banquet that we've all experienced, but all things considered, I know I had a great night. I thought it worked out way better than I think a lot of us anticipated. But as the you know one of the hosts, uh, not actual host, but the one behind the scenes, I should say, running the show, um, I didn't have the same experience that many of you else, uh, others had as more of the participants and audience. So I'm curious from your point of view, Dustin, what was it like to be on that, to be a part of the, the call? Did it come out as successful? And what were your kind of favorite parts or highlights of that? You know, I thought it went pretty well. You know, anything you could show up to without pants is great. Um, you know, I got to drink more beer, which is good too. Um, I thought people were pretty creative. Um, with their presentations and stuff. I kind of enjoyed that aspect. It was a little different. So uh, as my highlights, I don't, I can, I can barely remember to be honest with you. It was a while ago. So, but, but I remember it being fun. I remember it being a lot more comfortable, <laughs> you know, but all in all, it was a hell of a lot cheaper too than spending all that money on beer. So it worked out pretty good. That's yeah. right. Sure. And I will say, I think we were all pretty nervous, you know, leading up to it with at least the production team of how the videos would work, how the streaming would work and the cameras and everybody, you know, switching back and forth between presenters and, you know, award winners. And it, it was maybe clunky for a few moments, but at the end of the day, it, uh, you know, the audio and the video was timed up well, the quality was great. And, you know, all sure. those fears, maybe it's just the advance in technology in the last year with all of these streaming video conferencing softwares, but I thought it ended up looking and sounding great. What was your, what was your experience, Justin? Yeah, I think if we had to do it, you know, in the spring, like when this, when the pandemic pandemic began last year, it would have been more of a challenge, but we were like pretty savvy with all the technology. I agree with that. And yeah, all the feedback that I got was really positive. Like it was smooth, uh, a heck of a lot smoother than I had anticipated. So yeah, I was really, really pleased with it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I don't really want to do it again, but the fact that we had to do it and we were successful is very happy with the outcome. Absolutely. What about you, Josh? Any big takeaways from that night? I kind of wish I was at the uh, Diana Wittenberg watch party. Seemed like they were having a lot of fun uh, as a group there. But, you know, I understand the reasons for everybody staying separate. So, you but it sure looked like a uh, watch party, Josh. That wasn't, a, that wasn't as enticing for you? 
I'm I'm a I'm an extrovert, so the more people that are around me, the better. Yeah, the nice part we didn't need any babysitters either, so that was kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah great attendance. You on the background was a treat. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> it was that was entertaining. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was a really positive experience for us to be able to pull that off. Um, and then on the heels of being able to do that again, you know, a different experience at a draft that we'll get to in a second, but the versatility and flexibility of this league to make the best of these situations all summer last year. And now even in the off season has been a great thing to see as the league comes together. So one more thing on the banquet, uh, kind of talking about some of the awards that were given out that night. Uh, I do have the list in front of me. One thing that I want to highlight specifically is the presence of, I mean, I know that Kevin won Rookie of the Year kind of by default, but you have Kevin on the board, Carly on the board, Scotty Balser on the board, and those are just people that have not been in the league very long, stepping up and playing pretty important roles in the entire season as well as the postseason. So even though Kevin, again, by default won the award, actually did have a pretty decent rookie season, all things considered, even battling through the injuries uh, you know, the postseason MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, going to Josh, another uh, shocker for everybody. Uh, similar to last year, the uh, 2019 season with Brandon, uh, it was pretty clear that I was going to be winning Pitcher of the Year based on a lot of the numbers. It helps having Josh in left field behind you. But I think that probably the biggest surprise overall is just Balser winning Defensive Player of the Year and the role that he was able to play in the outfield. So uh, Dustin being on the team with Balser and seeing the rise that he had over the course of his sophomore season, what, what did you notice as a change in him defensively? Or was there anything that was kind of changing in your world when you realized that he was all of a sudden uh, going from somebody who knows the game to somebody who is excelling at the game? You know, his, his defense is incredible. He, uh, he really just goes for it every single time. He's got great speed. He's got great hand-eye coordination. And uh, obviously with his broken finger, he really goes for it. So um, I'm not sure I would give the guy great hand-eye coordination for the guy who drove his finger into the ground and dislocated one of them. Well. But yeah, I would say his effort, his, in, his I think his baseball instincts really come through when it comes to knowing the game and knowing and the speed of it. And he is relatively quick uh, out there to make some pretty impressive plays and lengthy too, which I'm sure Josh, that helps you. It's not necessarily just about how fast you get to a place, but having the reach and longevity to get to more balls than the average person. Josh, what do you see yourself in comparison to uh, to Scotty? What, how, how would you do? You see any comparisons? Is he uh, is he the next you going to be winning this award for the next ten years? I hope so. I hope he wins it this year. Um, but I do feel that he he's one of those guys that has a high baseball IQ, which turns into high wiffle IQ almost by default. But then, as you play more and more games that Whipple IQ really continues to build. And because he does have that speed that Dustin touched on and that hand-eye coordination, it just makes him uh, a defensive force. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was really, really good. And we knew it the year before with the Owls. Like, he showed some flashes, but he was primarily, I think, actually played every inning in right field. And you could see he was getting more and more comfortable. So... Schroeder putting him out there as a full-time left fielder, you know, maybe kind of let's see where this goes in the first series. And then he performed really well and just kept it going all year long. He was really, really good. 
Yeah, and that last uh, award that I kind of mentioned, the, the surprise and the fun uh, award to Carly for comeback player, you know, she was, uh, you know, in her, was her third year now, um, was last year. Yes. And, you know, last year on the Owls, or two years, sorry, two years ago on the Owls, she really struggled, only totaled four hits over the course of the season. And I'm not sure what the, uh, what the difference was. Maybe it was just the fact of being traded on draft day that lit a fire under her. But or just, you know, slowing to the speed of the game, right? She grew up playing a sport that is the fastest reaction time that you can possibly have when a ball is coming at you. So you're going from that to now seeing one of the slowest balls coming at you that doesn't look like it should be slow, right? It's thrown with pace. It's thrown aggressively, but it's not going very fast. So it took her a while, but she went from only four hits in 2019 all the way up to 18 total hits throughout 12 games in 2020. So just a massive leap as she kind of learns the timing of the game and settles into a pretty, a pretty clutch hitter. So Justin, what did you see being on that team with the trash pandas and Carly last year? Was there a conversation that you were having with her? Was there practice or was it just a matter of a really talented hitter finally learning the game? Yeah, I think it's the latter. She was, you know, we didn't really do anything different, honestly. I think because of the pandemic, we didn't practice as a team at any point. So uh, she did send us, I think, uh, a video of her and Andrea practicing uh, leading up to the season. So, maybe, you know, maybe she got a, a few more swings in uh, in the spring training period of the season. But uh, I don't know if that's that made a difference, but yeah, I think it's just that, that natural ability, getting the timing down. It was really, really a sight to be seen. She was awesome last year and it was amazing actually. So Dustin and Carly, their stats were incredibly similar last year. And really it was like the difference of a single between those two in the stats. Uh, so it was really kind of cool. Cause Dustin, I don't think you had been nominated for offensive player of the year ever before and you got your first so. nomination last year. And Carly was just that close to also being nominated, which, you know, considering for her status going into this season, I mean, obviously she ran away with the most improved player of the year. Yeah, it was, uh, again, it's, it's a great thing to see when you have the, you know, people that are, wildly talented at what they do. And I think that natural ability that Scott and that Carly have had in their lives in various levels of this, you know, versions of the sport are really starting to come through on the Whipple field. Yeah, definitely. It's a, and it, yeah. like you were saying earlier, Laz, I mean, it, that's like really exciting to see it. So it's so fun to see, because, you know, we knew it was in Carly and Scotty and, you know, even Kevin this year, he didn't really get to show with the injury, but, you know, it's, it's fun to see these, these players that are coming into the league and they're showing a really high ceiling. So it's exciting. So with that high ceiling, right. And the, the performance that Scotty had, he vaulted into the tier of captains for 2021, putting his place on the map for not only defense, but also reinventing his offensive game in a way that, you couldn't deny him being considered and in the right company of Justin, Dustin, and myself as a captain for 2021. So let's transition from the online banquet into what was the backyard draft hosted by Carly and Andrea. 
uh, not only what only about three or four weeks ago now that uh, was obviously a great experience for all of us to get together again to see each other in person for the first time since October many of us and to explore another draft where we know the auction um, style has been around long enough where I think everyone has gone through it um, even if it's not in Wiffle I know Scotty has done an, an, uh, an array of fantasy football auction drafts so un understanding the the way it's done and it was I thought a very exciting draft to be a part of I didn't quite know where it was going to go next I had a plan that I scrapped almost immediately uh, so going to be interesting uh, Josh from your point of view you basically went for a lot of money and ended up with the team that you kind of expected once you got picked. So I'm really more curious not to just shut you out because you're in an airport and it's loud when you're talking, but with the other two captains, I'm just curious if you had a strategy in mind before you got there. And if that strategy what actually carried out the way you thought it was going to. So Dustin, we'll start with you. It seemed like you were able to put together a plan and actually follow through with that plan almost to a T. So how good did you, how close was your actual team to your plan and how good do you feel about all that? So I feel pretty good. Like my initial plan was number one, I needed two pitchers. I can't pitch with the crap. So um, I definitely needed two pitchers. I knew Laz and Justin were good and they only needed one. Scotty needed two for sure, which I'm not sure he exactly got, but um, I definitely knew I needed two pitchers. So my, my strategy was pretty much, I didn't really have a shot at Josh because I needed two pitchers. So I kind of just went with, I need to get guys at 30 bucks or less. So if I can get them for 30 bucks and I can move on and I can get a pretty midline, but good team. So um, like I was kind of hoping for like a rush or Schroeder. Um, I got Brandon, but I think Brandon's going to really turn it around this year. I mean, I think last year was kind of a fluke, although now I think he's got the yips about the new field still. So we'll see if he can get that out of there. Um, and then to get Paul again, Paul's just, just skyrocketing. He's just, he's insane. Like I've been on his team, I think the past two or three years now. And like, he's gotten better every single year and you see him just getting better. And it's like, I'd be crazy not to get him for, but I get him for like 20 bucks or something. So, um, uh, Hey Dustin, I hate to, yeah. to fact check you, but, uh, Paul's combined batting average last year was about 217. Okay. <laughs> um, and in the year before, he hit 283. Uh, well, fielding-wise and batting-wise, you know, just, just – and yeah. pitching-wise especially, too. I mean, pitching, he's gotten better. Yeah. So, um, like, overall as a player, I think Paul's really gotten better. Yeah, and it was um, interesting because Dustin and I were grappling over Paul – with the first bid, we were going back and forth. And that was sort of my thought, you know, he had some added value as a pitcher. Now, I guess if I had acquired him, he probably, like I probably would have pitched over him. Um, but it's been a while since I played with Paul, but I've seen him, you know, like Dustin's alluding to over the last couple of years, he's just become a really valuable player. He's a, a valuable teammate too. I think he's like a great guy to have on your team. And I've seen that from afar over the last couple of years. Cause I'm, honestly, I don't think I've played with them since 2015 maybe. And I remember having a blast with them then. So, you know, I thought like, all right, if I can get Paul for, I was hoping, I think Dustin, I think I showed you my figures. I forget what I had Paul at, but it was a little bit over 
and then Doug <clears> just <throat> kept going and I I had to had to stop at, at a certain point so yeah I think he yeah, went once I got Brandon for pretty cheap I was I was willing to go a little more on Paul so yeah I think Paul went for 26 I believe Paul, 25 as the first player off the board so you didn't have Brandon yet oh, I guess I the question sorry, yeah Strategy wise, I'm curious, you know, did you get the actual, uh, you actually don't have to answer this question. It's not awkward, but were you actually targeting specific players or were you no. thinking more strategy? Like I need two pitchers, however it falls me, it falls. No. Me. Yeah. Yeah. I was more strategy. Like I said, I would have been happy with either Schroeder, Russ or Brandon. I mean, but if I got one of them for cheaper and like, like you said, I guess I got Paul first. I can't remember. But anyways, I got Paul first. And once I got him cheap, I knew I could just go for any of them. And then someone nominated Brandon, so I kind of just kind of shot for him. I got him fairly cheap, so I'm like, well, then I can get a pretty good uh, player as my fourth then, too, on top of that. So yeah. I was pretty happy with that. The nomination process was interesting because, as we saw, once you already had one player and then Schroeder and Josh come off the board, the next two players, both of which go for a large amount of money, probably a little bit more than any of us really anticipated that basically made Brandon and Russ extremely uh, you know, able to be um, added at a bargain, basically, you know, Brandon going for 33 and Russ going for 42. I don't think we would look at Schroeder, Brandon and Russ and think that there's a difference of, you know, $45 between those three players, but just because of the cadence and the way it came off, once I went all in for Schroeder, and got him at $69, I was no longer in the bidding war for Brandon or Russ and or Brian or Dave or Mike at that point. You know, basically those two players, Schroeder and Josh going back to back, made it a two-person draft for the next five players. And that's how it ended up going, where it was just, you know, it was Justin against Dustin for right. the remaining players, which was Brandon, Russ, Brandon. Brian, Dave, and Mike. Yeah, I was kind of waiting to see which one JF wanted if you wanted Brandon or Russ and and I saw because because you let Brandon go for pretty cheap so I knew that he wanted Russ and then he knew that he he could get Russ once he got me up that high he knew Russ was all his then at, at that point so yeah and it was interesting because I I was sort of looking at it when you're talking like a strategy standpoint and Laz we've talked about this a lot you know like you're sort of when you have that control as a captain you're sort of looking maybe to play with a player that you haven't played with in a while and have kind of a different experience, you know, obviously while still keeping your team competitive. So, which is why I thought you'd go more for Brandon. So that's what I kept hearing. A lot of people were saying that, that I was going to take Brandon because I had never played with him. Well, I kind of was looking at it like, all right, this year, considering who the captains are going to be next year, how the teams are going to round out next year. uh, I just figure like I may be with Brandon the next two or three years after this year so this was sort of my last chance to for a while potentially to be with Russ or to be with Schroeder so that's was sort of what I was looking at and I mm-hmm. Josh as well because I, I did go aggressive for Josh too so that was I my that was sort of my strategy was trying to get one of those three kind of assuming like you know I'm, maybe next year I'll be with uh, Laz or, or Brandon potentially so that, that was my strategy going into the draft, certainly for the top tier players. Yeah, I was in a slightly different role. Obviously, JF, you've you know proven to be able to pitch and in, in eat innings and be effective. So you or, you know weren't really thinking. We, when we talked on the phone before the draft, you made a comment of um, 
basically, I don't really need to target a pitcher after getting one of the top tier players. And I was worried that we were going to be targeting the exact same players because of that. Basically that leaves, you know, Brian as somebody who's historically unable to pitch and maybe a few others uh, that are less likely to pitch like Carly. And I was just thinking in general, this is going to be a very competitive draft because of that. But at the end of the day, with my pitching ability, assuming I was getting Russ Schroeder, Josh, or Brandon, one of those four, I did not care how the rest of my team played out. I assumed as you all did, if I end up with Brandon, if he would probably be the cheapest of the four, that would be a good team to start with. But that means I'd probably be able to get two or three of the next best players and I'd have a great team in that way. And if I ended up with Josh or Schroeder, you know, one of the more expensive players, then I have one of the better players in the league or best players in the league combined with me and will be good either way. So I looked in, I think I was talking to Carly about this because uh, she was asking if I was in a drafter. I said, I don't know. Nobody is off limits right now. Any single player is, if it makes sense, could end up on my team. I was not really targeting individuals yeah. until I talked to Schroeder, who basically sold me on if him and I are together, we're going to win. And I haven't played with him since the 2012 uh, disappointing season of the Flying Tigers when I drafted him, I think, second overall in the snake draft. Uh, Schroeder didn't first. say that to me. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so I don't know. I, Thanks, I Steve. Of, kind of wanted a redemption, a redemption redemption team for us and then was very happy to uh, end up with with Kevin and Carly uh, just because of as you said Justin you know some of it is team chemistry so Paul good you know teammate Justin your team has real high team chemistry and camaraderie and you know that's why I think Justin you probably targeted Dave and Mike together even though you probably could have gone Kevin or Carly in one of those roles might as well have two guys that are friends and they will get along and pick each other up so there's, you know, motivation to do that. But, you know, as the way the draft went uh, for values and, and how it went down, I was, I thought I was interested by it. It was fun. It was exciting to be a part of a lot of bidding aside from Scotty. And uh, <laughs> I, I had a really good time despite the, uh, the cold temperatures. Josh is the only non-captain uh, and, out, you know, out of the, the draft pool or the nomination pool pretty early. What was your experience as an on, on viewer, or onlooker, I should say, of uh, what the draft was like? Uh, I think that draft going for 42 is probably the prime of the century. So <laughs> I'm quite surprised. All right, I'm bored of playing. Hold on. All right, that was Josh commenting on Russ at $42 is the crime of the century, and now he's boarding a plane. So we might not get much more of Josh for the rest of this, for better or for worse. Yeah, it did. And feel the only reason Russ went that cheap was just because no one else had the cash for it, really, pretty much. Yeah. So. Well, shorter, shorter going at 69 kind of made it. So, and then I think Eckert went to Ford Russ, even. So, yeah. yep. with all those people off the board and all those big dollars gone, like it made no sense Russ to pay more for Russ. So, by the time but, Russ was nominated, I, mean, I already spent 69. Scotty had spent 85 and Dustin had spent 58. So at that point, yeah. it is what it is. This happens every year, right? Yeah. And there are players who go undervalue later in the draft because money goes out early, which is interesting because we often see in maybe a fantasy football draft that a lot of the early people go undervalued because they don't, you don't know the market yet. And it seems like in the yeah, weekly draft, that value actually happens a little bit later in the draft. 
typically don't get one of the top three guys in the league for half of the price of one of the other guys. So, and the fact that Shorter went for twenty-seven more dollars than Russ is absurd. Yet, all that being said, the teams ended up with, I think, a lot of um, fairness and competitiveness across the board. I think there's interesting teams. You kind of have the Dustin versus Scotty. Um, if you know fantasy football strategy, the stars and scrubs kind of mentality where you have two of the best players and two of the lower tier players where Dustin, your team is pretty much middle of the pack across the board. So that'll be a fun comparison to see where that, you know, where it goes. You have, you know, we'll get to kind of some season previews, but um, if you haven't already figured it out by how we've been talking about this draft, we do have the teams identified. So uh, Dustin with the storm chasers ended up drafting after getting Paul and Brandon rounded out his team with Brian uh, after Justin picked up Russ at a bargain. He added Dave and Mike, as I mentioned, to round out that team. You have the blue rocks captained by Scotty Balser after getting Josh rounding out his team with Steve Andrews and Luke Pollard. And then, as I mentioned, I ended up with Stroder, Carly Soloco, and Kevin Boyson so, as, the, as the captains. So that's the, the way it looks right now. Uh, might as well just start jumping into kind of what are your impressions on those teams? I will start with you, Justin. Obviously, you can speak to your own team being happy with it. You drafted it. It would be disappointing if you weren't. But as you look at some of the other teams and maybe how you match up against those teams, what stands out to you as either – what you're, you know, what team you're most worried about, or where you see your team kind of fitting into this mix of four? I'd say I'd probably be most worried about your team, Laz, to be honest with you. Uh, but it's, you have a huge upside with Carly and Kevin, which they have a really good chance of going sky high this year, or they could have a hiccup year. You know, Kevin's kind of an unknown still. He's done well even being hurt. So we'll see what it is. But if he, if you can stop him from diving on every call or, a, or at every play, that'd be great, you know, for you. Uh, uh, Scotty's team, Scotty's team looks good too, but he's only got two really good players. You know, Steve can pitch, you know, and then there's Luke. I, I love Luke, but, the, you know, it's Luke. Um, but we'll see what Scotty can do this year. You know, I don't know if he's going to try to pitch or because like, I don't know if that's he can. That's a rumor. I, I have heard a rumor. That Mr. Professional Professional Bullet out in Europe is uh, starting to look at what innings on a wiffle mound would look like. Justin, do you can you confirm or deny that rumor? So I actually went to Josh's last week and saw Scotty and Kevin, and they had just finished up a little practice, and I think Scotty was trying to get some tosses in. So I'm not sure exactly how it went. I think Josh is keeping that close to the vest, but. Uh, I guess but it's tough to get him out of the, the field, though, you know? We're not really losing oh, him. I think he'll feel. If, if you lose I him with Josh in left field, you're going to be okay. That being right. said, if you have right. Steve Andrews pitching, you also have Josh and Scotty in the outfield. So right. it might be the best outfield combo you could have. Or you can get real creative. I was thinking not to give these teams ideas that need them, but what if Josh played short field and put Scotty right. in left while Steve pitches? That would be a pretty dynamic left side of the year. Uh, I thought that, left too, side for of the sure. Field. Yeah, as long as as long as Steve isn't giving up a home run ball, I don't think there's going to be much that drops in the outfield if you have Josh and Scotty out there. So, yeah, home runs and walks will be where Steve is going to have to zero in. Yeah, uh, the rest of it should be pretty. Put the ball in play and let your team do do, do what they need to do. 
Uh, I would say I'm most concerned with the lug nuts. Uh, I'm looking for, I, I know we'll get to 2021 award predictions. I'm not sure if this would even qualify, but you know, Justin and, and Russ have both been trending down in the last couple of years. I know specifically in 2020, uh, I don't think either of you batted over 300 in the regular season. Is that right? Oh, you did, Justin. You, you batted three, 312 uh, and Russ was at 275. So I expect both of those numbers in the regular season, I expect both those numbers to be about 100 points higher, which is where they were back in 2019, somewhere in that range. So, you know, you're a career probably 380 or so hitter. Uh, somewhere on that range. Russ is probably more like a 325, a 350 hitter. If both of you end up back in that world, as well as getting what seems like a recently refocused Mike Satry and uh, an always dependable and consistent uh, Dave Leap, that's an offensive team that I can see doing some damage, as well as just a lot of history uh, within that team. I had a fun trivia question. I'll ask you, Dustin, if you know the answer to this. There are only three members yeah. of the Wiffle League that have played in all seasons in their entirety, not including playoffs. Justin and Josh, you're not able to answer this question, but there are only three players that have played in all regular seasons in their entirety uh, for the entire duration of the Wiffle League. Who are they? Obviously, one's Justin. Correct. One would be Boyson. No, no, he was hurt. That's right. He was hurt. Um, I like that. Uh, Dave. Dave is correct. Okay. Who's the third? Um, is it Luke? No, no. Luke didn't join until after he went to Chester. Was it that letter though? I don't know. Well, it's the third. It's, it's, it's you? It's, it's just me. Oh, uh, really? I didn't know you were... Okay. Yeah, I've, I've been in, but uh, Mike has only missed, what, now two series uh, total? Correct. So, you know, the history between... And, and Russ joined, I think, maybe in year three. The uh, second year, yeah. The second uh, year. So oh, he's five. played almost in its entirety. So you have the basically three, if not four of the long... I mean, it's by far the most tendered team we've ever had. Um, as far as total Wiffle games played, Wiffle seasons played. So I look at that team as being fundamental in not having to discuss communication, rotations, when to throw, where to cover, how to hit, anything. It's just going to be take care of business. And I see a team being pretty consistent across the board. Justin, where do you see your team stacking up against the rest of the league? Yeah, I was really excited with my uh with the outcome of the draft, honestly, because I had, it's, it's interesting. I had, I'll let you in on something a little bit. So uh, Dave and I had been texting cause I was excited about the potential to be with Dave. Cause it had, again, like going back to, to Paul, like it had been a while. So I was maybe looking at that possibility and then uh, really wanted to have Mike as well. So I was thinking like pairing those two up and I wasn't sure, you know, maybe who I would get with, with that outcome, however much I'd have to pay for them. And I certainly didn't think it was Russ. I was kind of thinking maybe more Brandon or Schroeder. Um, so, you know, I was very happy to get Russ uh, to have another crack at things after, you know, a really good regular season last year and a bit of a disappointing semifinal. So, you know, happy to have him back on my team. Um, you know, we it's a, kind of crazy. Like we had sort of talked about the possibility of 
of having that that group and as like kind of a dream scenario and it worked out so um but one thing for me i gotta figure out who the number two pitcher is and i can see that determination in mike's eyes right now he wants the ball so he's gonna get it on sunday in what will probably be game three russ usually goes you know game one and game two um is the horse but i playing you guys first i think right yeah yeah we're playing uh, you guys so and dustin told me at the draft that he he likes to feed off of me and he would be he would be correct that'd be great if you were the number one pitcher yeah so yeah, i would i would appreciate that we're gonna give the ball to mike uh because you know again i kind of feel like he's he seems reinvigorated right now and you know playing with this team is going to be a lot of fun i mean i love these guys Oh, but just a follow up on uh, career stats for all games played. Uh, Justin, you were a career 357 hitter and Russ's career 332. So I think if you two hit at your career levels, uh, Satri and Dave are down like a 250, 245 range. But if you kind of return, regress back to the mean a little bit and you know pull your average up to where you are historically or have historically been, um, that would make sense to me. I don't think it's quite like baseball where we're unable to keep up with our younger selves. I think that we are aging with the, the rest of the league. So it's not necessarily um, just getting older and not being as good. I think we're all just as good as we were 10 years ago, or yeah. at least comparatively so. Yeah, Carly was the best offensive player in the trash pandas. If you look at it and break it down, I mean, it, you know, going into that year, you didn't think that'd be the case, but, you know, it was – I don't know if as we had kind of more down years, me and Russ, but I mean, Russ had still had some, some good power numbers, um, but Carly was just consistent all three series in the regular season. And yeah, I think if me and Russ maybe, you know, perform a little bit better, but we should have a pretty, pretty high floor with having uh, Mike and, and Dave, you know, probably down in three and four in the lineup. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the, the opening day matchups, I think it's going to be uh, just the entire year. I'm looking forward to the matchups of each individual team. There are different uniquenesses to each series. I don't know. I think one of the, the biggest wild card for me, I mean, as you just mentioned with Mike and yourself and Dave, I and mean, you have a team of four pitchers right now, so you can play the hot hand if you want to. You have a lot of experience, as I mentioned, at all positions. You feel you can probably mix up anybody and feel pretty good about where they're lining up defensively. Uh, I, you know, Dustin, you as well have a very balanced team as far as offensively and defensively. You've played all over. Uh, Brandon's played all over. You're probably going to have Brian locked down left field, given that he hasn't really played anywhere else in his career. But that's also a great thing to have that staple in the outfield. I think that the, you know, everybody's expecting a bounce back year from Brandon. I don't think anybody's expecting him to hit in the 100s and get lit up pitching. So we'll see what a change of teammates, maybe just you being on his team as a, a Brandon whisperer will be enough to get him back into, you know, where we expect him to be. But, you know, a balanced team is always threatening a team that can single you to death, a team that can frustrate you like y'all did last year in the Wiffle series, slapping the ball, the right field, Paul's all of a sudden turned into an adept bunter. So, you know, who knows what that team can do. You get a few guys on, you have maybe Brian hit a few home runs. That's a dangerous offensive team and fun matchup. Uh, I think you're going to probably look at Paul as maybe you know as your number two pitcher as being a potential um you know a, a weakness not because he can't pitch but because he's not as solid of a number two as maybe 
what my team can throw out there with having Kevin, you know, not Kevin, um, Schroeder and I as 1A and 1B, and whoever wants to pitch game three can pitch game three. And then my biggest question is these Blue Rocks. I know Josh is probably on a phone or on a plane right now. I'm not sure he can chime in, but there's just, that's the most variability within the team. And I have no idea what to expect. I'm sure Josh won't show his hand too much, but Josh, what do you think about if you have a chance with your team, as far as not really knowing who's going to play where, who's going to pitch when, or what your batting order will be, is that kind of the fun, exciting part, or do you have it all figured out yet? I got it, I got it pretty well figured out. I think, um, I think I've got a, a unique, a more unique approach, at least to not only the, the batting order, but the pitching, inning, kind of getting some contribution from some different guys, and then uh, adjusting uh, as the games go on and the yeah, and I think the word, as uh, as Josh is getting ready to take off, it seems like, the word that you've <laughs> mentioned that I think is I, one I want to highlight, and I want to say, I'm not sure, Dustin, if you can speak to this. Last year, it seemed like the paddleheads changed every series and not just maybe got better or more cohesive, but they, you all made adjustments. Your batting order shifted. Your defensive alignment might have shifted or whatever it might have been. It seemed like there was it was an evolution where you were playing your best wiffle ball by the time you got to the end of the year, which is obviously the goal. So was that an, right. uh, you know something that you talked about as a team? Is that something that Steve instilled? And if so, what do you plan on bringing in that same spirit to your team or have you thought about that? Yeah. I mean, we learned a lot. We learned a lot as we kept moving, you know, we saw what Scotty could do. We saw more of what Paul could do. So we kind of adapted and moved around and it, and it seemed to work out for us pretty well. And I think if we would have had another, you know, couple series, I think we would have came out on top of the bananas, to be honest with you. But that's just my opinion. <clears throat> um, yeah, this year we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I'm not locking Brian into left field, that's for sure, because I think Brandon, honestly, is a better left fielder than Brian. I like that. Uh, not, I agree. Not by much. In, but Agreed. But Brian. There's definitely a chance. And it's going to be interesting for me this year, because I'll actually be able to stay at short field, which which I don't get to do too often. And the, you know, the one year I did it, I did, I did fairly well. So Defensive um, player of the year candidate. Yeah, like it's definitely kind of nice to be able – to have two guys better than me in the outfield. And I feel like that's one of my strong points, but it, you know, it's kind of fun playing something different and I can pretty much lock into there and be pretty good. Cause like Paul would be playing in, in right field. So pretty much we'll be moving them around that way. So, so we'll see how things go. We'll, we'll see how Brian's catching and, you know, I'm really excited about Brian's hitting and um, we'll see. I'm trying like hell to get Brandon to start going oppo, but he's <laughs> yeah. We'll see, we'll see how that goes. But, <laughs> Yeah, I think as I look at the season, as we kind of wrap up this conversation uh, and get on to some maybe predictions for 2021, one of the more interesting things that I'm, I was trying to do some research and figure out what these teams are going to look like as these new cohesive units. And what I realized is that because of the last two seasons and the variability between performances, you honestly can't have a realistic depiction of what these teams will look like because you take someone like Carly who hit, you know, almost nothing two years ago and then hit with the best offensive performance on our team last year. So I was trying to crunch the numbers. I did the averages of these new teams over the last two seasons. 
So if you take our teams, reshuffle them, and just take last year's batting average for the entire season, not just regular season, but postseason as well, Josh's team, Josh, Scotty, uh, Luke, and Steve Andrews would have hit 334 as a team. The captains would have hit 324. The Storm Chasers, 296. And the Lug Nuts, 261. Then you go another year before that. I know that Kevin wasn't in the league, so his numbers aren't included. But now the Storm Chasers are 293, almost the same. Lug Nuts go up to almost 290. The uh, Blue Rocks go down to 256. And the captains dropped all the way down to 201. So that a lot of the seasons, a couple of them are consistent. I looked at, I was talking to Brian earlier. Brian was over 300 the last two years and has been pretty steady lately. But myself and Scotty and you, uh, Justin and Russ and Carly, obviously. And there seems to be a lot of players where the disparity between their 2019 stats and uh, Brandon, another one in 2020 stats are like a hundred batting average points or more. So it's really hard to get a feel for this. I know the sample size is always small, so you can't really trust it. But what you really just hope for is everyone, if everyone plays at their kind of career norms, I think this is going to be a really competitive and fun season. And I'm looking forward to, I already teased it, but opening day on, on Sunday uh, coming up on, on May 16th. So with that, we will uh, take a short break before transitioning into 2020 award predictions, days Vegas plays, a few deep dive questions with Dustin before getting you out of here. So we'll be right back after this short break. All right, we are back to the Wiffle League podcast. You just heard kind of a preview of what this season might look like. We got some interesting teams. We got some captains with some competent teams. But we don't know how the awards might shake out this year. Justin, obviously, is the one who holds all the cards. So it's kind of unfair for him to make his own guesses than just fulfill his own wishes at the end of the season. But that being said, still wouldn't mind getting on the record and finding out what we all think about the upcoming awards for the 2021 season. So we'll start as always with the first award, the most improved player of the year. So uh, Justin, if you had a chance to think about this, what do you think uh, might win this award this year? Yeah, so my prediction would be uh, Scotty Balser. So I've thought about this and as good as he was during the postseason last year, which I think he now either holds or is tied for the most hits in a postseason or maybe he just he holds it blew by yeah I think he had something like a combined 30 hits last year but he really only had one great regular season series and this being a regular series season award uh, I have had the thought um, even going back to last year that he would be a great candidate to win this particular award in 2021 so Scotty Balser is my prediction okay Josh, I know you're uh, sitting on a plane right now. Do you want to sneak in your most improved player prediction? Yeah, mine's the same for all of the same reasons. (laughs) All right, the same for the same reasons. Dustin, as we've been kind of meandering through this, have you had a chance to throw a name onto the board? Yeah, uh, you know, I was asking Justin, you know, off off there here, uh, if it was improved from last season strictly, I'd go with Brandon. 
I hope he's going to be competitive enough and he's got enough gumption in him that I think he's going to be pissed off about how he played last year and he's going to do really well. Um, but otherwise, I'm going to go with Kevin Boyson, I think. I think if he's healthy, I think he's going to uh, steal the show. And speaking of stealing, you just stole my answer as well. I think that Kevin is the the best candidate for this. And not only is it second year, I don't believe in a sophomore slump. I believe in a sophomore rise. Uh, and I think that being healthy, having that year under his belt, and being around the team that we have with Carly, Steve, and myself, I think he's going to fit in really well, find a lot of confidence, find a stride, and, and escalate above his, his brethren and Scotty and take that award from him. Next award is Defensive Player of the Year. I know it's really easy to say Josh. Uh, it's also probably statistically appropriate to say Josh. Uh, based on a little bit of the preview that Dustin just gave me, though, I'm going to give you an answer and go with Brandon. I think that anybody who could have an impact in left field and on the mound has some dynamic ability to change a game, and his defensive ability in the outfield has been proven. So my answer for this award is going to be Brandon. We'll go reverse order this time and kick it back to Dustin. What do you think? You know, I was as much as I don't want to say Brandon again, and I don't. Um, I think he's gonna, like I said, he he's pissed off about last year. Um, I think he's gonna play hard. Uh, I think Scotty's gonna win it again. To be honest with you, he's he's just insane. Okay, makes sense. Josh, what do you got? Jeff, did you recall what I texted? Yeah, so. Josh has Scotty also for Defensive Player of the Year, and my prediction will be Josh. I think he's going to come back hungry to reclaim the award this year, so I know that's kind of a cop-out, but um, yeah, I got Josh for Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm not gonna, no one's going to argue with that one. All right. Next award, we have Postseason MVP. Yep. Uh, I think this is usually dependent on those who make it to the Wiffle Series. I'm not sure you've had a postseason MVP who hasn't been in the Wiffle Series. And for that, I'm going to have to choose somebody. Well, actually, we'll go back to the beginning. I don't want to steal a thunder. I'll go last again. So, Justin, who did you have for your postseason MVP? So, Laz, you're right. I, the, the postseason MVP has always come from the Wiffle Series champion in every single year. So, my prediction for Wiffle Series champion, and we'll get to that down the line, but is the lug nuts. So I go best player on the best team. I'll go with Russ Anderson for postseason MVP. Yeah, that checks out. How about you, Dustin? I'm going to go with Paul Stumba, to be honest with you. He, I think he rises to the occasion in the in the postseason, and uh, I Walk see us there. So, I think he's going to be our postseason MVP. Okay, Josh, who do you have from the Blue Rocks that you want to think will win this award? Yeah, so Actually, got JF. Yeah. Oh. I think, okay. I think JF will will play a pivotal role in winning his first Wiffle Series. I believe Chestnut Park, and I, I can see them winning in three games, and him coming in, coming through in the clutch, pitching in game three, as well as uh, just big offense numbers. Yeah, I definitely could see that happening. 
And just to keep it going, I have uh, somebody from the captains, keep it diverse. Uh, one of the reasons, actually the biggest reason why I drafted Steve Schroeder, because he is a postseason horse and goes to a different level when it gets to the postseason. I'm looking for him to put us on his back and carry us to that trophy. So my vote is for Steve Schroeder. Next award, we have Pitcher of the Year. A lot, of, a lot more candidates these, these days than ever before with the amount of different pitchers that we have available to us. Uh, it might be in a little situation where me and Schroeder uh, on the same team could be eating into each other's performances a little bit. So I'm not sure if one will emerge from there, which is why I avoided both of us. And I chose somebody who I think will have a really, really good defense behind him every single time he pitches and has shown that he wants the ball and has said he wants the ball. And even though I think he's a below average pitcher, I think that he will perform at a high level this year. And my pick is for Mike Satry. <laughs> yeah. So that's my pick. He hasn't, he's won it before. He knows what it feels like. And he's got a great team behind him. Uh, what about you, Josh? Who do you have? If Josh is actually in the air now. Oh, he's coming in. What, what did I put, JF? I can't recall. You have Russ. So, and I may have the same explanation for you for Russ uh, that you do, but kind of as Laz was explaining, you know, strong defense behind uh, really the potential to uh, be a very good team. So you think about, you know, Laz last year. Um, yeah, so I, I like Russ also for pitcher of the year. And I, I actually predicted him last season and I believe he was the runner up. Uh, Laz obviously had a great year, um, but he's actually never won this award in the open field. So since we went to the open field concept in 2012, Russ has never won the pitcher of the year. So I got to believe that he's due. Now I have to be just going to give it to him no matter what. Dustin, who do you have? I'm going to surprise everybody on this one. Um, Brandon. No, (laughs) no. As much as I I want, uh, you know, my pitchers to win, um, I'm going to go with the you know, otherwise what Lance was saying with the with the best defense behind him, that's going to be Steve Andrews if he actually pitches and Scotty doesn't. You have a defense behind you of Scotty and uh, and well, Josh behind you. That's uh, that's a winning combination. So, and he's won it before, right? Once before. Yep. Yeah. So again, that's uh, that kind of shows you the the evolution and the challenge and the competitiveness among the pitchers this year, where you have people like. Mike and Steve Andrews being talked about as pitcher of the year candidates with uh, myself and Schroeder not even getting a nod in that direction who have historically been pretty good, if not very good pitchers. So it's going to be fun to watch how that shakes out this year. For offensive player of the year, Justin, uh, again, this award is probably not quite as diverse as far as the candidates, uh, the pool of candidates that we're talking about, but who do you have uh, emerging this year? Yeah. So if we're talking about who's due and who is not due, I would say that it's got to be somebody besides Josh. I mean, he's dominated this award. And if you look back to maybe uh, a team that wasn't as strong that Josh was on back in 2017, he was kind of on the verge of potentially not winning this award. And uh, he had a really strong third series and of course uh, won the award. So um, but I'm kind of looking at 
at that possibility and thinking that it's got to come from a really strong offense and you look on a team with uh, Laz and what I think is going to be a, a much improved Kevin Boyson and Carly on the rise. Uh, I think Steve Schroeder is going to win the uh, 2021 Offensive Player of the Year and because he's just consistently been the second or third or fourth at times uh, best offensive player. So I, I think this is going to be a big year for him and he's shown increased power numbers. So yeah, I think he's due. And Josh, uh, if you're still there, Josh went with himself. Yeah. Why so, not bet on himself? Down on a limb. Yeah. Well, how many do you have on your shelf? What, what, do you need one more for a full uh, a full set of bowling pins to use them as? Yeah, I'm going for the Patriots dozen. Oh, that's right. Nice. All right, Dustin, who do you have for offensive player of the year? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Brian Boyson. I think he's going to see ducks on the pond in front of him, and I think he's going to rise to the occasion. I think he's going to see it and want it, and he's going to be hitting like a madman. So I'm going to go with Brian Boyson. He's due. I love that. Yeah, like I said, he's been one of the more consistent hitters over the last couple of seasons, being over 300 for two years in a row. And if he can figure out the win situation at, at, uh, at the new park, he might be able to hit a few more dingers. My pick for this year is going to be uh, similar to the same reason that JF described. Balser made a leap in the playoffs, so he wasn't rewarded in the regular season for his performance. I think he will carry over that playoff success into a full nine-game season, and he will walk away with the most hits ever recorded in a Whipple season. He was my second pick, for sure. Bold prediction there with most hits. I'm not sure what that number actually is. I'm sure I could figure it out at some point that Josh had had some insane number of hits in the regular season, but I think that Scotty's going to go ahead and break that record. Nice. Lastly, we have uh, not really an award, but just trying to determine who you think is going to be the Wiffle League champion. We've already kind of shown our hands a little bit, so we'll just go around quickly. You don't need to give me an explanation, but just go ahead and tell me which, uh, which team do you have winning it all this year. We'll start with you, Josh, one more time. If you can. Yeah, so Josh, he texted me. <laughs> this is incredible. This plane's going down. He has the lug nuts. He's got the... Okay, so that's yeah. one vote for the lug nuts. I know, Justin, you already kind of teased that you were going to be going that route too, so you have the lug nuts as well. Correct. And then, Dustin, who do you have? I have myself. I have the Storm Chasers, of course. I have to. Hey, baby. Yeah, no reason not to. And, I mean, I've, I have myself as well. I have the – I have myself going back-to-back -back with Kevin and the uh, the captains taking it all, so. But I feel like Scotty's team will be in there with us if Scotty really rises up here. I think I think they have a great team. Like, like I said, I think all the teams are great this year. This is, this is going to be a fun year. Yeah, for sure. Very might have to get the number of hits um, to be what, what 2015 we put in the pitcher circle, I want to say. Or no, 20, sorry, 2014. 2014 we put in the circle. So that was the year that offensive yeah, numbers jumped. Because uh, Josh had 30 hits in 2014. Wow. So that is a 625 average and will be tough to beat. Yeah. The year before that, no one had more than 14. 
So yeah, 2014 was the big change. So yeah, 30 hits. I see Scotty who, uh, you know, last year in the postseason alone, Scotty put up 18 hits in six games. So he was on pace for 27 hits in the postseason. I think he does it for the long season. 580 in the postseason. Thanks for that dynamite drop in, Josh. Yeah, I think I hear the pilot more. Yeah. We are uh, <laughs> we are wrapping up. Those are our 2021 award predictions. Um, as always, we will write these down, never look them at again, and have the same conversation a year from now and congratulate ourselves from all being great at predicting stuff. Moving on, we have Dave's Vegas Plays coming up next. Stay tuned. Bright light said it gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire. Got a whole lot of money that's ready to burn, so get those stakes up higher. There's a thousand pretty women waiting out there. They're all living the devil may care. And I am just a devil with love and spare. So Viva Las Vegas. I just teased it. You just heard it. You know what time it is. It is time for Dave's Vegas Plays. Dave, our number one sports book app here in the state of Illinois and in the Whipple League. Justin, I heard that you actually have some plays this year from from Dave's Vegas plays. Do you mind throwing those out there for us and seeing what we have today? Sure. I actually, I have two Vegas oh, plays. Dave. So, I believe that might be more than we used last year. So we're off to a good start here. What do we have from Dave this year? It's, it's not a Vegas play. It is Vegas plays. So the first Dave's Vegas play <laughs> is the player with the best average at the end of the combined regular season and postseason. Okay. Again, the, the best batting average at the end of the regular season and the postseason. And it's very simple. So he has Josh at negative 140. Okay, minus 140. And the field plus 110. So we're talking batting average. So I'm not sure the last time. Actually, I am sure. I believe Dave Leap won the batting title in 2018. And then previously it was Steve Schroeder beating Josh for the batting title, I believe in 2015 and Rich Nassif beat him out for the batting title in 2012, if I'm not mistaken. Unfortunately so, for all of those stats you just shared that did not include postseason. That was regular season batting yes. titles, which I believe this, the, what was just read was regular right. and postseason. And That's correct. Not a single player has out hit Josh in any season. Yes. So I would definitely, you know, not a lot of value in it, but yeah, I would take the minus 140 for that. I think there's a. Sorry, I, I thought, you're talking 2012. Sky. 2012, yeah. uh, Rich DeSeef led the league at a 500 average with Josh as number three. Uh, Josh, Jeff Hanchman was number two. So the 2012 season was the last time that Josh was not the combined average leader. Yeah, so eight consecutive seasons, it's been Josh. So I will definitely take the minus 140. 
But Laz, it sounds like you would probably take the field if your prediction for Scotty Balser is to be correct. Yeah, you know, I think they're going to be pretty close. Uh, actually, I apologize. 2015, uh, Schroeder was actually with this postseason ahead okay. of Josh as well. Well, there's some value in that field bet. Yeah, so, I would take the I would take the field in this situation. Sure, a couple bucks and you'd do all right. Yeah, why not? I mean, it's still two to one odds. It's or, you know basically double your money. It's not really an amazing value, but you know, yeah. more it's more the excitement of not rooting for Josh like it's me for betting. There you go. All right, I got one more. So this is uh, best regular season and postseason ERA. So it's another combination play. The pitcher with the best regular season and postseason, it says ERA, but I believe we do just uh, runs against right. average. He has Russ at plus 250, Laz at plus 300, Schroeder at plus 300, and Brandon at plus 450. So I kind of like the value there for Brandon, if he can get back to anything close to 2019. I know he's had some issues with his shoulder or something like that, but, um, you know, I, I could see a, a comeback he's season. non-pitching shoulder. He's all right. Yeah. So that's what I was actually going to ask, Dustin, if it was uh, either his right or his left. So that's promising. So that's pretty good value there at plus 450 for Brandon. I, I didn't want to get that out before the draft. But... Sure. Add me I might take, good. I might go looking at the numbers from just just from last year. You know, I I was able to lock down the regular season pitcher of the year award, given that I had a 0.7 runs against. Russell was double that as the next closest. But if you factor in my postseason, which wasn't anywhere near as effective as Russ is, I jump up to 1.7. He drops to 1.06. Russ is a proven postseason pitcher. I might go ahead and just take those odds, even though they're not the best, and say that Russ who I think is already going to have a good year, uh, including the postseason, is going to be the one who takes that award or that uh, that bet. Yeah, good odds on all four. So, you know. And it also could be, I mean, it could be it could be none of those four and you lose your money because obviously there's there are some other players that are contending in this award because you look at last year, Russ ended the year at 1.06, and then it was 1.73, 2.5, 2.6, 2.9, 3.3. So, Kind of a cluster of players between Josh, Steve, Paul, Schroeder, and myself that could all be uh, a, you know up for that. And then you add someone like Satri, it's it's up in the air. That's a that's a tough one. Yeah. I got a I got one. Um, it's not a Dave's Vegas play, but just in the spirit of looking at numbers and talking about how these have played out. Looking at last year, there was only in the regular season. Uh, which is usually what we go through for stats and betting. They've mixed it up this year. In the regular season, only, uh, I mean, the home run totals were the lowest we've seen in a long time. We don't know if it's the wind patterns at Finch or what, but we had 10 home, runs, 10 home runs total last season. You look at previous regular seasons, only regular seasons, 16, 14, 17, uh, going back 20, so by far the lowest total, I would put the over under. Do you think we figure something out at Finch Park or do you think it stays low? I put the over under at 11 and a half this year and and see what you think. You think we're going to bounce back as a home run hitting league or not? Justin, what do you think? Yeah, I think we're going to soar over that. And my reasoning for that would be time of year. I know we've, I've heard that 
brought up before and people kind of snickered at it, but I, I do think there's potentially something to that. I think too, you know, just getting more comfortable uh, hitting in that setting. So yeah, I think we're going to fly over 11 and a half. Okay. Dustin. I think uh, we're going to fly over for sure. Uh, that is if Josh starts swinging for the fences again, I think he really tried getting base hits last year. I think he really was trying to go for average and not for home runs as much. And I think, I think he realized he was to go for home runs possibly. So, or maybe he'll start shoot, shooting the you know, right field again. I don't know, but uh, if he starts shooting for home runs again, it's going to be over. And that's the difference in it is Josh not because he didn't hit a single home run last year, right? Correct. Yeah, which is insane. So if he starts hitting hitting for home runs again and swinging like he normally does, we'll be old. All right. There you have it. That is uh, two of Dave's Vegas plays, one of my own Vegas plays, and uh, always fun thinking about more gambling. If you have any of your own write-ins, feel free to add those in and let us know what you're thinking. It's not a live radio show, but, you know, we can act like it is. <laughs> With that, we are going to transition to a, a little spotlight on our, our guest host today. So, uh, Dustin, not really sure. You know, the first time you went through this podcast experience, we probably had a lot more to ask you, but you've also been in the league a little bit longer now. So as you think about, you know, what you've been through on the teams you've been on, the teammates you've had, the experience you've had, uh, obviously, you know, aside from winning and, you know, and hoisting a tro- trophy over your head, what stands, what Wiffle moment stands out to you as you think about your career over the last decade? I wouldn't say it's be a moment. I think it's a general just, you know, enjoy and be with the guys that, you know, I've, I've been friends with for a long time, you know, it, you know, with, with the busy life schedule and stuff, it's nice to be able to, to see everybody again and, you know, see everyone constantly. And it's, you know, that's, that's the best part about Wiffle Ball to me is I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be in it still if it wasn't for that. So. Um, I enjoy, I enjoy seeing everybody, I enjoy catching up with everybody. And uh, it's not really about the place to me. It's about just seeing everyone and hanging out with everyone. Yeah. Who would have thought back on uh, Palatine Travelers that me, you, your brother and <laughs> right. Russ Anderson would end up playing wiffle ball together 20, yeah, 30 we need to get years like Nick later. Marshan back here or something, you know, <laughs> Nick say, let's go. Right. Uh, all right. So second question, you kind of avoided the one moment. I appreciate that. Uh, as you think about your involvement in this league, what do you think has been your biggest change? Or do you think you've made any changes from when you first entered the league, whether it is in, you know, maybe physical approach to the game, it could be your ability to, you know, the, the actual skills of the game. It could be more personal relationships you've built. What do you see as, uh, you know, 25 or 26 year old Dustin compared to, to the version of you are now as in relation to the league. The biggest thing is I, I stopped hitting for the fences, obviously. And I, I learned to hit oppo as, as a lot of these guys are all learning. If you watch the guys that have been in the league for a while, they kind of all learn that. 
you know, they, you know, some, some more than others and some will eventually come around to that because I think that is the biggest thing you can do to improve your game is to start hitting Apple and get guys guessing and, you know, get that spray chart looking like a question mark and, you know, not knowing, not knowing where to put guys and that really stirs stuff up. And if you can hit home runs on top of that, that really just expands your game. So I think that's the biggest thing for me when I started here to when I've been going is just learning how to, you know, hit, hit it to where they're not. And, uh, and that. And then we've, uh, we've had some new players enter the league recently, obviously uh, we've had a decent amount of turnover. People have been coming and going over the years, but recently, you know, the influx of Carly and Scotty and Kevin is bringing in a slightly younger generation, right? Just a few years behind us in grade. As you think about the evolution of this league that might happen more and more as guys are getting older, maybe people are actually retiring because of family or age or just their bodies breaking down. So as kind of a younger, you know, a younger group might start to inherit what this league has been, what would be your best piece or one piece of advice you would give to a new league member uh, aside from uh, use all fields when you're hitting? Man, um, get good people in the, in the league. Keep, keep the people that want to be here. Keep the guys that want to keep playing that, that are excited about going to there that want to keep the ridiculousness of this league. Cause that is the best part about this league too. It's just the, the, the absolute absurdity and the extent that we go to for this league, you know, just as long as they keep it going, I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna last a long time. Yeah. It's yeah. funny you say that Dustin, cause uh, last week I had a, uh, an occasion to hang out with Scotty and Kevin at Josh's house after they'd gotten some practice in. And uh, that's what I told them, you know, like their, their value to the league goes beyond what they do on the field. And, and same goes for Carly. It's like their personalities and they, they get the bit, you know, right. so they fit in so well. So that's yeah, Scott, Scotty's got his bits going on pretty yeah, good. I mean, that, that to me so is his outfit at the draft, it, you know, yeah, it totally. really adds another element. Absolutely. You know, and that, that gets everybody juiced up and yeah, that's been really awesome. So I, I totally agree with you on that. Fresh. It's good. Yeah. Well, I think that's, you know, it's not even just talking about bringing in people or who you bring in, but once you are, once you're in to lean in, to, to be, you know, to be a good teammate, to be on the group text and respond to emails, to wear the gear, to kind of get the shtick and, and have it be a part of your life and not just, yeah, I guess I have this thing to do on the weekend, but it's more of a, a planned canceler of, of other things as opposed to having this be something that gets in the way. So that's great. Well, thank you for that. Um, hopefully there was some fun thoughts over your, your career and what this could turn into. So I appreciate you doing that. And uh, we're going to move on to the last uh, segment of tonight's podcast.
right, you know that song means coming attractions. So taking a look at what's coming up in the Wiffle season and the Wiffle League in general, as you all should know, if you're listening to this, we have opening day coming up on Sunday, May 16th, kicking it off with the Lugnuts facing the Storm Chasers at 9 a.m. If you're unfamiliar with the teams at this point, the Lugnuts are the team led by Justin Filardo facing off against the Storm Chasers, the team led by Dustin Eckert, podcast hosts tonight. Then at 1 p.m., we have the team led by Scotty Balser, the Blue Rocks, facing off against my team, the Captains. And again, that is at 1 p.m., so hopefully enough time for you to grab a lunch break between those series, but enjoy a full, fun, supposedly decent weather day at, uh, at Finch Park on Sunday, hoping for some clear skies and temperatures above what we're seeing right now, which is in the 50s. So looking forward to that. We will also not be doing another podcast until the end of the regular season. So no mid-season episode, but we will be touching base again before the postseason. So look for that to happen whenever we can get these scheduled, but my guess is going to be late summer. And before we get this one wrapped up, we will be taking away our takeaways uh, before the takeoffs. So that's that's a plane joke for those who remember Josh was on a plane for most of this episode. So let's go around the horn, starting with our guest. And uh, Dustin, thank you again for being here. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you and fun hearing about your strategy and your, your kind of uh, vision for the season. So as you think back over the last hour or so, uh, hour and a half that we spent together, what is your biggest takeaway from tonight? My takeaway, you know, number one is it, don't um, podcast while you're flying, that's for sure. And always buckle your seatbelt. Um, it's going to be an interesting year. I mean, that's, that's my takeaway. You know, it, it seems like a pretty even year this year. So that's what I'm kind of getting out of it. And, and if everyone performs like they're predicted to do, it's going to be a crazy year. But if people don't predict what they're going to do, uh, some people are going to be sorely disappointed, which why I'm kind of glad I'm kind of in the middle of the road right now. So I'm not really banking on anybody right now. Um, so I'm hoping you all, all just fall apart. <laughs> Fair enough. How about you, Justin? What's your biggest takeaway from tonight's episode? Yeah, from the podcast, I would say just the the variance in uh, some of the predictions, and you know, really, I mean, that's a, again what makes this fun. Anything can happen, and when you're going into opening day, everybody feels like they have a chance. So that's sort of my takeaway as far as uh, the 2021 season preview. But uh, my takeaway from the banquet. I will say this, it was Dustin sitting at his kitchen table, surrounded by those trophies, just the way he was sitting with that smile on his face. I loved it. I actually lo- absolutely loved that. And him and Brandon, like, again, that was, you know, kind of the fun of the, the banquet was kind of having uh, little bits that we could do and uh, made the best of it. But uh, that was definitely my, one of the funnier moments. And I wanted to mention that tonight uh, when hey. Dustin with all those trophies so and I know you had joked about it because I had texted you after and you said you finally got some use out of those trophies so that right right they've been sitting in the basement for uh you know they've been been at the condo they were at the they're at the house sitting in the basement at least I got to do something with them so they knew Brandon still had all his because you know Brandon (laughs) so I'm like perfect we can use these now yeah I can throw them away outstanding uh, Josh is not on the call anymore, but he is able to, he told me that his biggest takeaway 
uh, is still that Russ went for $42 in the draft. That was, um, he still doesn't understand how that happened. And that was his biggest takeaway. So thanks Josh for getting us that information. Man. Now my biggest takeaway is I may have bit off more than I can chew. I did not realize that Josh had 30 hits in a season. So by predicting that Scotty is going to break that, it's going to be a uh, postseason plus uh, average for what Scotty did last year. But um, I'm also kind of hoping he doesn't do it given I'll be facing him as early as the Sunday afternoon, but um, didn't realize Josh put up 30 hits in a year. So I'll have to. Plus he's going to be teammates with Josh. So that's a lot of hits. Yeah. That's going to be a third base guy. He doesn't have a chance. That's going to be. If if they bat Scotty before Josh and Josh is able to protect him, then maybe it happens. But otherwise uh, Scotty won't be seeing a lot of pitches to hit this year. Anyways, that's the takeaway that we have from this episode. Thank you for sticking with us. I know it was a long one, but there's a lot to talk about with the banquet, the draft, and the season preview. So hopefully it was everything you were looking for. I know we had fun doing it. So on behalf of Josh's travel agent, uh, Justin, uh, guest host Dustin, and myself, Chris Lazzarini with your hosting, uh, signing off for episode 35 of the Whipple League podcast. Good luck Thanks, this evening, everyone. You got the brain, you got the brain, you want my name. You can tell I'm educated, I studied at the Sorbonne, doctored in mathematics, I could have been a dawn. I can program a computer, choose the perfect time. If you've got the information, I've got the crime. Money